Hi, everyone, and welcome to One Mic Night Podcast. My name is Marcos Luis. This is the podcast that takes you actors, artists, and show how we're all connected through the arts. My guest today is a fantastic, fantastic artist. He inspires me in every way. He's a writer, performer, and I got to say, he's one of... uh, (laughs) my inspirations in the world of Broadway because he always has some sort of show he references that makes me do do the research to find out what it is. So please welcome Richie McCall. Hey, how you doing today? How's it going? Good, good. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. So now Richie has a show um, that he's written and produced and he's performed it in New York and actually won a couple of awards. The name of the show is called Step and Fetch It, and I'm going to let Richie tell you a little bit about it and uh, what exactly Step and Fetch It is. Go ahead, Richie. Well, the actual title is Me and Steppin', um, and it it deals with my life um, as a struggling Black actor and all the trials and tribulations one goes through as a a Black actor uh, and a struggling one at that, I might add. And um, he meets, he, he has a sequence where he comes encounters with the spirit of uh, black film star Step and Fetch It. So we get to know a little bit about his life, his struggles, as well as mine. So it's a chance of uh, telling his story and mine at the same time. And then we find there's a payoff after the two spirits meet together. So it's a fun evening, you know, a bit historical, um, a little inspirational, but more than anything else, it's entertaining. And um, uh, there's approximately... It definitely is entertaining. Oh, go ahead. It definitely is entertaining. I, I I had the pleasure of seeing the show and I was thoroughly entertained from the beginning to the end. A couple of surprises in there for you. And, uh... Richie did a phenomenal job. So I just want to I want to back up just a little bit for those people who don't know, probably people who are under the age of 50 years old don't even know what step and fetch it is. So let's I mean, let's let's do a little history and and teach people what sure. step and fetch it is. Well, step and fetch. So, uh, a, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was a question. <laughs> no, go ahead. no, yes, it is a question. Mm-hmm. Well, step and fetch it was a black actor. He came uh, around. Uh, should I say he started he was known Probably he got into film uh, approximately like 1927 and right on the cusp of when talkies came in. And uh, he was known for playing what was called the coon uh, sort of stereotype, you know, the slow, lazy kind of shucking and jiving kind of guy. And he made his career uh, playing this character. Uh, whether before that it was in black vaudeville, then he did it, you know, of course, when he got to film. And he hit the height of success about three or four years after being in Hollywood. And he was so successful, he, he was considered uh, the first black movie star. Also, the first, he was a, a millionaire at one point. Um, however, as time went on as America was moving forward and uh, black Americans are moving forward, uh, groups like the NAACP came to the movie moguls up in Hollywood and said, you have to stop putting out these images. 
the Hattie McDaniel mammy image, all these sort of stereotypes, because, of course, their aim was to up, uh, uplift the people and the images that's coming out in Hollywood were affected by that. So, unfortunately, his work became, I would say, passe. And by the 1940s, the poor guy was bankrupt. And unfortunately, his name alone, Stephen Fetchett, represented a kind of person that was lazy and stupid. So not only did this, this character represent his name uh, represented that for a lot of black Americans. And unfortunately, it probably wasn't until the 70s that the NAACP actually gave him an image award. They realized he was a product of his time. And... Um, he was the first, and that was like the only types of work that was being produced or written, should I say. And so he did his job. Patty McDaniel, the first uh, black woman to win an Oscar, said she'd rather play a maid than be one. So I think a lot of all these black actors in this time, their work became really uh, almost obsolete after a while just because of the public's interest of it and uh trying to raise the image. So it was a, a little catch-22 there. But um, what I found that this this gentleman was the antithesis of the character that he played. I mean, he was he was uh, negotiating his contract with Louis B. Mayer personally. And so you realize that this man had to be much different than the image that he portrayed all the time. So I just thought it was a fascinating way of but doing my show that I could defend him and at least uh, show what he was going through, what he had to deal with in Hollywood back in the day. And sort of, you, you kind of know, once you knows your history, you could accept where you are in the present a little bit better. So it's, it, the show itself is sort of full circle. It's, as I said, it's a lot of, a lot of laughs, but very, very, you know, pointed moments as well. And, um, and more than anything else, um, you you might learn a little bit more. You definitely will learn a little bit more about Stephen Fetchett and a lot more about me. <laughs> Pretty much that's it. Yeah, I think that's that's great. Um, you know, like I said before, I I went to see the show. You know, I, I knew who Stephen Fetchett was, and I knew who Richie McCall was. But to see the two together and find out what the relationship is between the two made the show even more exciting. Um, you know, like I said, people under 50 don't know who Stephen Fetchett is probably. And, you know, it caused me to do a little research, even as a filmmaker that I am, I know who he is, but I, I wanted to do more research and find out more about this, this actor and uh, I guess mogul, because like you said, he was, he was negotiating his own uh, work and contract and became a millionaire, uh, you know, started out managing a carnival at age 20, you know, and then finally receiving an award, a special award by the NAACP, you know, after a long battle and change in the way that people view black actors in Hollywood, you know, like you just said, he had a long illustrious career and, and it was ironic, you know, that this happened, that he became a millionaire on the back of a character who was sort of a coonish, you know, as they say, uh, groveling, Uncle Tom type of character. Um, right. So I think it's amazing. Um, how was it for you writing this show? 
What was it like? Take us through the process of writing for you. Well, well, for myself, I knew I wanted to write a piece, and I really, really wasn't sure what it was going to be about. And um, as I, 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 the more research I was doing about Stephen Fetchett, I thought that was a fascinating story that needed to be told that wasn't told. And um, at the same time, uh, I realized that I too have a lot of stories, an interesting way of, of doing it. So, I mean, originally I thought it was just going to do a show about Step and Fetch It. And I realized it was a way of telling my story at the same time with the help of the spirit of Step and Fetch It. So I got a chance to, um, to recreate his work. Uh, I have the liberty. There's no, there's no actual footage of the live of anything him live. So I had a little bit of a liberty to create what this person could be like. And um, there's so much more to tell about Stephen Fetchett, but I didn't real I didn't think that would be um, helpful for telling my particular story. So I just gave as much as I could that would help in telling my story um, and to bring the two together. So it was right. a lot of fun. I had to um, explore probably about 15 or 20 different characters and they each have 20 different lives. So that was a lot of fun to, to explore them physically and, um, and as well, and um, try to see if we can somehow put this all together. And I had a, a wonderful director, Mr. Dathan Williams, who, who was uh, my right hand through this whole process. And I've been working on this piece probably about 10 years off and on. And as you mentioned, uh, the last I, I had done it for the Midtown International Festival in 2017. And um, happy to say that the show was garnered three awards, Best Actor, Best Playwright, and Best Solo Show of the festival. So it, it all of the work paid off. And congratulations for that, because it was very, very well deserved. Thank um, you. So let me let me ask you one more question about the writing. What is this the first piece that you've written? And if so, what was the process? What was it like for you? How did you sit down and begin to write a piece like this? Well, for me, as I said, I really wasn't sure what it was going to be about. So the process that I had, everybody has their own. But what I did for myself is I just took some index cards and I began by just writing uh, everything, uh, different chapters of my life. And when I laid the index cards out on the floor, there were 76 of them. And I figured, okay, what is the most common denominator with all of this stuff throughout my life? And it was indeed about my work, about the struggles of it, about the highs and the lows. And so I started right there. And the other issue of uh, the other item, of course, was the step and fetch it. Now, that began, uh, even even thinking about step and fetch it, on three major occasions in my life, people compared me to step and fetch it, which at the moment, oh, wow. at the time, I really was uh, sort of insulted. But the more I did research about it, I found mm -hmm. that this man was fascinating. And actually, he was uh, just the opposite of me. This man was so courageous, you know, uh, in 1927, right. and here I am, and afraid to ask for ten dollars, you know, the extra dollars, <laughs> you know, in this right. present world. So I just thought there was a contrast between the two characters, and yet at the same time, 
we're almost struggling for the same things 80, 70 years later. So I just sort of put the two ideas together and thought of a way that I could um, join it. And I uh, luckily I thought of the process of a dream sequence that Richie has a dream and then we get to see Seven Fetch it, you know, um, and we, he gets to talk. And so right. it's, it, it, right. it's an interesting convention. And uh, to my surprise, it worked pretty well. I, I would have to agree with you on that one. It worked very, very well. Uh, it was very, I have to say, one thing that surprised me in the show was, I didn't know you could sing, Richie. You have a great <laughs> voice. Well, I, uh, luckily, you know, my experience is I, I am a musical theater person first. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots of reviews, you know what I mean, where I'm entertaining. In other words, breaking the fourth wall and speaking and singing to the audience. But I've also had experience doing straight drama from Shakespeare to Moliere to whatever. So, um, but I also could sing, you know what I mean? And um, it was just, a, I sang and I danced uh, along the way. So this was a vehicle that I was able to do a little bit of everything. So I just took advantage of that. Yeah. So let me ask you, when, when did you first know you wanted to be an actor? Probably... No, I think, I just think it was one of those things I knew my entire life I was going to be a performer. Um, mm -hmm. I, I came out of the womb <laughs> knowing that that's <laughs> what I was going to do, you know, and I would sing at the top of my lungs and upset the, you know, bottom the hell out of my neighbors and my family. But I also was a great imitator. I was always one for making everybody in the house laugh. Anybody walked through the door, I had them down by the time they left the house, you know, with their voices and their <laughs> speaking. With them. And then I would just become them, you know. Um, there was a teacher that I had in acting school, and actually she's in my show, and I would just be her for 20 minutes at a time, you know, just to entertain the, the other my other friends around, you know, and so she'd make she'd make entrances in whatever show I was doing, this character, you know, so I had a I had a knack of mimicking people and um, just having fun with them and um, and and singing as if they would sing. And, you know, uh, use your own talent, your own interests, and then sort of um, blend everybody together, blend everything together. Right. Did your did your family encourage you? Yeah, to be a performer? Was, they did. Yeah. Yeah. I was very lucky that way that I didn't have that. Um, the problem that a lot of people have with their parents, no, they have anything. They were like, go ahead, go on. You know, their biggest regret, they didn't know enough. They would have put me in a performing arts school if they had right. known about right. how to do that. They didn't know how to do that. So they just let me go on, you know, and very supportive right. throughout my years. I'm in the college to see me do performances and traveling, you know, to see me doing regional work and stuff. So they were, they were actually have been my biggest supporters. So I was very, very lucky that way. It's good because, you know, growing up at the time that maybe you and I grow up, you know, our parents want more. A lot of parents are, you know, immigrants and they're coming from blue collar, you know, families. They want their children to grow up and be, you know, something more than or better than what they were. So they want to get them in professional, you know, schools or go to college for to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, things like that. It's it's interesting when you find, you know, people your age and my age who uh, who parent, whose parents encouraged them to, to do the arts. I think it's amazing. I think it's yeah, yeah. It's, 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 
I think well, we're all dealt with the hand that we're dealt with. You know right. what I mean? So yes, Absolutely. it doesn't matter whether you know what I mean. So it's uh, luckily for me, that wasn't an issue. You know what I mean? They just right. said, "Well, go on and do it." You know, I mean, uh, they were just as naive as I am to think about how tough this this business really is. But they did anything that encouraged me. So I was, as I said, very very lucky with having the support of my family. Right. So today, uh, just even in current times, uh, speaking of step and fetch it, the companies that own Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben have sort of taken a reform on the way they are, are doing Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima. Um, they've retracted the Aunt Jemima brand, and Uncle Ben has said that he, they would reform the Uncle Ben. What do you think about that? I think it's... Um... It's it's interesting. I have uh, almost a little bit too little too late <laughs> in the sense that I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, right. I, because if, if, honestly, if you remember correctly, I, what's that? If I, if I remember correctly, I think that a few years back, when you know people were complaining about Ancient Mama, they actually they they rebranded Ancient Mama then and and took the head wrap off and made her kind of fancy, you know, with yeah, she had a hair and you know, whatever. Time. Yeah, had a Jerry Curl, I think, at one time, Afro or something, you know. It's one of the right. things, it's something that we grew up with. It's like, quite honestly, yes, these images need to be rethought and um, or, or to be aware that uh, you're putting out these images that is not helping the situation. And right. so um, uh, I will have to admit, though, I'd use Edgemima syrup and I wouldn't know what to reach for if I didn't see that black lady on the bottle. But that, you know, you have to think past that at this particular point. She ain't gonna be there no more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Gone, you know what I mean? So. She is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but is there any kind of moral uh, question you want people to 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 think about with the play or just life in general right now? You know, considering. I think this. What... I think the biggest thing that I'd like my audience to come away with to realize um, that what they have, who they are right here, right now, is special. That who they, you know what I mean? We, like, you know, for myself, I tried to fit in to everybody's world. I, I was never the singer, the dancer. Uh, um, I was always a character man, a comedian. And for the longest mm -hmm. time, you know, there weren't things written for me, for my talent. So I just, I guess, subconsciously didn't think I had anything to offer, that I wasn't talented. And it's taken me a lot of years to realize, no, but what you do have is special. You don't need to change for anybody else, you know? And I, um, and that, that took me a long time. So I think the biggest thing, the piece I want people to realize is like to be, to, um, to engage uh, in who you are and to embrace who you are, that who you are is special. And when someone like Step and Fetch It, when people were telling him uh, he shouldn't do that, he knew what he did and he did it well. So everybody needs right. to, to realize what they have is special. It might not be the norm, but uh, who you are is special and unique. And not to try so hard to work against that or to try to seek to be something or somebody else. So I think that's, you know, I think if we can, if we realize that, that's so much, that's such a step in the right direction. And hopefully um, 
that you, you feel a bit empowered and um, I and to take the time to, to just be, I guess, accepting of who you are and what you have to offer and what you can bring, what you can bring to the page to make a difference, you know, to have the ability perhaps to, uh, with my talent, I realize that I'm able to lift people up a little bit to feel better than they did before they before they came into the theater. I think it's very, very powerful. And I think right now it's something that we all need. So it's in, I think it's cool if we can find out that what we have individually that can help the world be a better place in our own way. And I mine well is my Yeah. Well said. So how can people find you, Richie, to learn out well, to learn more about your show and find out who Richie McCall is? Well, right now, um, I should plan. I hopefully will be doing the show in the fall. So once that is all out, um, right now, I could be reached on Facebook or Instagram, Richie McCool, and you could follow me there. And hopefully you'll come to see my show. There you go. I definitely recommend the show. Please check out Richie McCool on Facebook. And this is one Mike Knight podcast. On Instagram as well. Maku on Instagram. There you go. This is one. Thank you, Richie, for joining us here. One Mike Night Podcast. This is the podcast that brings people together and connects us all through art. You can please, if you like this broadcast, subscribe. You can also find us on YouTube at One Mike Night. And you can follow me at Marcos Luis on Twitter, Instagram. Thank you for joining us next time. We have an artist, a visual artist, who brings spirituality into his art. His name is Mystico. Please join us for the second podcast.